Lord, we're not smart enough or strong enough to open up our hearts and our minds. We need your help. So would you help us to set our minds on you right now? Setting our minds and our hearts on things above. Setting our hearts and minds on you. And Lord, even if we don't understand all the other things that are happening here tonight, that we'd understand your love. Would you speak your love into the hearts of my friends here? And because they've experienced your love, would you change their lives and change the world around them? Just help us right now, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, once again, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Mr. Matt is going to hand you one. Okay, guys, this is where we are. We're going through the book of Acts, and it's been really exciting. And I'll tell you where we ended last week. I won't tell you all the history, but I just want to see if you guys can remember. This is the last verse that we read last week. It's in chapter 5, verse 11, and this is what it says. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. That's where we ended. So can anybody remind us of why great fear seized the church? Anybody else need a Bible? Um, Matt's got some right there. Okay, why, why, why did great fear seize the church? The guy and his wife died because they totally disrespected God. And what happened when those guys died, when Ananias and Sapphira died, the people around them, the people who, who saw this happen and heard about what happened, realized that, they're, that they were playing with fire. That God is a holy God who doesn't allow us to treat him with disrespect and will not allow imperfection to stand in his churches. Just think about this, guys. The God of the universe will not allow people who represent his name to walk in disrespect of him. That's why those two died. And I think what happened there was it made people realize this is serious stuff. Because up to this point, I think people are kind of thinking, wow, God's healing people. There's free food. There's free coffee. And it's kind of thinking of God kind of like Santa Claus in the sky. Like he does real nice things for us, but we really don't have to give him all that much respect. And when these two died, because of their disrespect to God, people wake up. And, a little, and so I want you guys to see what happens in, the, in this part after this. And what happens in the part after this, the reason we started with the last verse of what we studied last week is because what happens next the step up in Holy Spirit power that the city of Jerusalem experiences through the church of Jesus, I think is connected with these two dying. Because all of a sudden, the church of Jesus is giving God the respect that he deserves. And the result of it is this. Verse 12. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's Colonnade. You guys know what Solomon's Colonnade is? It's kind of like the library mall out here. It's like where everybody, everybody can see you. Okay? Just think about what, just think about if God was going to do a work here at UTA. He is doing a work here at UTA, by the way. And it's not, just in the, it's not just in the prayer room. It's not just in the coffee shop. It's not just in the cornerstone. But as God moves across UTA campus, you're going to see things happen out in front of the library. You're going to see things happen in UC. So that's the place where these people are meeting. You know why they're meeting there in Solomon's Colonnade? Because there's no other place that's big enough to hold them all. Guys, I, I can't wait until God pours out his spirit on this campus to the, to the place where, yeah, that's right, Amanda, where we're, where we're meeting the stadium. I mean, why not? 
Why not? I mean, this isn't, did Jesus die for every one of these people? And we can't fit them all in this building. So what's, what's next? Where, where are we going to meet? Where's the place that can't contain? Where's the place that's big enough to, that can contain all the people? Okay, verse 13. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Think about this. Why won't the people join them? Because they didn't want to die. I mean, all of a sudden, there's people like, hey, there, there, all those people are worshiping there in front of the library mall, but you got to be careful. Because a couple people last week died who worshiped with them and didn't treat God with respect. So be careful. But look what happens. No one else joins them. But, verse 14, more and more people believed in the Lord and were added to their number. What? Did anybody join them or not? Here's what, it, here's what this means, guys. Is nobody joined them except for the people who really believed. There was no more compromise like last week. No more of this, like, we're going to come to church and pretend. No more posers. So nobody's going to join them except those people who really were serious about following him. And because of that, because of the purity of God's people and commitment to him, as a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he, as he passed by. It's like, man, we, there's so much power coming out of, out of the people of God that we're, we want, maybe we just get him close enough that maybe a shadow's going to fall on these people and maybe they're going to get well. I mean, think about the faith that the people in Jerusalem wanted to do this. And then, verse 16, crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem. So now it's not just UTA. Now it's like Arlington and Mansfield and Fort Worth and people are coming. Because they're bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. All of them were healed. Does that sound familiar? There's another verse that says that. That was back up a few years, and that was Jesus, where Jesus was doing his work. What's the connection? The connection is that the spirit of God that was in Jesus is now in these people. And he, the Holy Spirit of God, is healing people that's what the holy spirit does i mean how many let me let me just ask you guys how many of you guys have had either a, a physical heal, healing or an emotional healing a healing because of the holy spirit of god touching your life okay that's a bunch of you that's a bunch of you and some of you guys have been healed and you're thinking well yeah but i took aspirin so i'm not sure that that counts <laughs> guys the healing came from him what i want you guys to see is going what happens here is that because of Jesus' spirit, things are happening. Exciting things. Miraculous signs and wonders, it says. Peter's shadow, crowds gathering, all of them getting healed. So that's what happened a long time ago in Jerusalem, right? But I wish you guys to think about what's happening here right now. Okay? So yesterday in my office, one of our girls came in, into my office. She had some questions that she was asking me about, about this kind of thing, about the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit now. She kind of wanted to know, is, is, is the Holy Spirit doing things now? Are we supposed to expect the Holy Spirit to do things now like he was doing back then? And she, what she said is, she said, when I was 14 years old, the Holy Spirit came upon me in power, and it was so wonderful. But then, that never happened again. And so, she's in my office yesterday going, 
I want what happened back then. I want more of that in my life. I want Holy Spirit touching my life. I want supernatural Holy Spirit not being content in my life to just live my life on my own without his power. I want his power in me. And she was earnest. And she said, she's saying, if there's Holy Spirit power available for miraculous signs and wonders and miracles, I want it. Is that okay for me to want it? She was asking me. And what she was specifically asking me about was about a church in California that a friend of hers is connected with, has told her about, where there's so much anointing on these people who are there that what she's heard, and maybe some of you have heard this too, is that the glory of God is being seen by people in that church in the form of gold dust. So she's, she was asking me, you know, this, this sounds a little weird. What's this all about? What am I supposed to think about it? And I thought, you know, we should talk about this tonight. We should talk about it because what, she, what she's saying is if there really is supernatural stuff happening there, then is it okay for me to want to go there? I, if there really is dream, visions and dreams and miraculous signs, then can I go and see that? Can I experience that? And, and if God's doing that there, can't he do it here too? Do I have to go there? Or can we bring some of that right here? Why can't he do it here? And the answer is, he can. He can. And I think that part of the answer is, and he is. The question is, what does it take for that to happen? Are we, are we supposed to expect for that to happen? So, guys, I just want to answer some questions for you today. And I'm, I'm going to kind of go through the questions that she asked me in regards to this whole idea of supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. First, so first of all, the, que the one question she wanted to know, the answer to, some of you guys want to know the answer to, is does God still do miracles? Does he still do miraculous things? And so some of you are saying yes. Some of you are maybe from backgrounds that say no, or I don't know. But I want to know what the, what does the Bible say, okay? And, and when, we, when we talk about this, let's see, do I have a pen up here? Luke, you want to go to my office and see if you can get me a, a marker because I'm going to need it. Um, on the one side, on the one side, you've got people who think along the lines of what we call cessationists, from the words to cease. You've got people who say, all the miraculous work of God stopped when the apostles died. Have you guys heard about this before? I mean, maybe some of you grew up in, in these, this way of thinking that there are no more miracles. Anything that was, of the super, that, that was supernatural in the first century ended when the apostles were around no longer, okay? That's one side. The other side... I said I was going to use the pen, and now I'm not going to use it. Sorry, Luke. Sorry. Have you forgiven me yet? Yeah. Okay. I really am sorry. I didn't mean to call you the devil. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm learning. Okay. Uh, on the other side, so you got people that say that miracles do not happen. Supernatural stuff does not happen. On the other side, you get people that say it happens all the time, and if it's not happening, then you're going to need to find out what is wrong because probably the problem is a result of your lack of faith. And so what you need to do is you need to have more faith and expect that God is going to only do the things that he wants to do if you have enough faith. So if you pray for something, you need to have more faith so that it'll happen. You, have, you, guys, you guys have experienced this also. And so what I want you guys to think about is, well, what does the Bible say? Because really, the Bible doesn't teach either one of those extremes. Okay? There's nowhere in the Bible that says that 
the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit is going to stop among his people at the time that the apostles die. It does not say that anywhere. There's some verses that are sometimes taken out of context to imply that. But also, what it doesn't say on the other side, even though there are plenty of places in the Bible that teach that our faith plays a significant part in God doing his miraculous work in people's lives, the Bible as a whole, if you take the Bible, these, all these verses in context, the Bible as a whole never gives us power to, to just believe strong enough to have a miraculous sign happen that is contrary to what God wants to happen. Okay, this is the danger. Sometimes there's an emphasis put that if I could just believe this enough, that gr- my 104-year-old grandma is not going to die. I have enough faith to believe she's not going to die, that she's not going to die. Guys, you're laughing at me because you, kn- you know that there's times where th- that it doesn't matter how much faith you have. In fact, especially if you've got someone on the other side who's got the faith that the opposite. Th- I mean, I've, I've had people telling me, I got faith that girl's going to fall in love with me. And another guy's got faith that that girl's going to fall. I mean, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about, okay? Okay, so, so it's not always the case that we just need to have enough faith to ha- make God do what we want, want him to do. Does, does that make sense? Because, and here's the deal, that of course all you guys wish that you had a genie in a bottle. You guys know what a genie in a bottle is, right? You have the bottle, the genie comes out and says, yes, my master, tell me what you wish, right? Thank you. <laughs> she was acting out. Can you sack that out again? <laughs> If I ever need a genie, I'm calling on you. Uh, God is not a genie in a bottle. God is the boss. He is the master. We submit to his will. And just in having enough faith that God's going to do what I want him to do does not make God do what I want him to do. The faith that God is calling us to is a different kind of faith. Even in the time of the apostles, think about this. The heroes of the faith, the heroes of the faith, did they get everything they had faith for? Did they get, I mean, think about these guys. They went through sickness. They were, they were beaten. They were put in prison. Their loved ones were killed. They all had faith, but what was their faith? Their faith wasn't that God was going to let them escape the the. the persecution that was against them their faith was that no matter what happened that god had something bigger going on the faith that god's building in our lives here is not just the kind of faith that says god god i'm going to believe this so much that you have to do it the faith that god's building in our hearts here is the faith that says whatever you do i'm yours whatever you do i'm asking for this i'm believing i'm trusting but whatever you do i have faith in you and I, I was thinking this afternoon about in my own life. I mean, there have been so many times in my, in my own life where I have prayed in faith that God would do something. And yet my response was, I'm praising you no matter what. And, you know, just, just the one example is when Ian was born. You guys know Ian, right? If you've been around Ian, it's hard to not know him. He's not this Ian. That's cool Ian, too. But I got a son named Ian who's 10 years old. And when he was born, it didn't look like he was going to live. And for five days, he was in the... Infant, what do they call it? The NICU. Is that what it's called? Where's, where's Bethany? You know all the terms. NICU. That's right, NICU. So he's in the NICU, and it was such a great week for me. It wasn't an easy week, but you know what? Where, when, when you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, 
We fear no evil because the Lord is with us. And the great things about those times when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death is you feel him right here in a way that you don't when everything's going good. And it's not that I want my babies, my, my kids to be in those kinds of situations, but whenever I've been in that kind of situation, we can rejoice because our faith, my faith during that, that week wasn't that Ian was going to live. I wasn't sure. My faith was this baby's yours and we trust you. That's the faith that God's building us. Okay? Okay. So you guys understand these two extremes, these two, two sides. God's plan for us is that he will do miracles. He does do supernatural work, but he does it his way. And, and just us mustering up a little bit more faith is not going to make him do what he wasn't, what he, something that's not his plan. Okay? You guys with me? Okay. Next question that she asked me is, so what, what's the deal about this gold dust thing? Has, who's heard about, who's okay, some of you guys have heard about this gold dust thing. Here's the deal, is that some of you who are raising your hands have different feelings about this, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, I mean, she was asking me what I thought about it, so I'm going to tell you where, uh, what, what my thoughts are, okay? And um, you guys can, you, the great thing about the unity of the body of Christ is that we can say we love each other even if we don't all agree on what color we like the carpet to be. Okay? Okay? So I'm going to tell you guys what, what just my thoughts are on this. First of all, this is not from one church in California. The first time I heard about gold dust was we were sharing Jesus with a guy on, when we lived over here. So that was at least 15 years ago when we lived close by to UTA. And I was sharing Jesus with a guy named Ray who was a painter who lived across the street from our house. And because of us sharing Jesus with him, he started to go to church. And after a few weeks at that church, he was so excited to come and tell me that he devoted himself, his life to Jesus. And in this church, he, he saw this gold dust. I'd never heard, I didn't know what he's talking about. I'm like, what are you talking about? So he, here's what it is, is that the, the, from what I understand, that there is so much a pushing in to the Lord and longing to see his glory, that people are, that the, 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 the situation that people are getting a glimpse past the natural realm that we're in, into the supernatural realm, and seeing a hint of the glory of God. I thought, what's wrong with that? That sounds good to me. <laughs> I mean, I'm, 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 truthfully. So what's wrong with that? And so I thought, is there any biblical basis for this, is there any biblical basis for people seeing something, maybe not gold dust, but seeing something past the physical realm into the supernatural realm? Sure. Yeah, it's all over the Bible, right? Okay, tell, tell, tell me some places where something like this might have happened. Okay. Let's say it again. Okay, Paul got Paul stone. Um, he sees he's, he sees things that he says I can't even explain. Right? Okay. Okay. Isaiah six. He sees a vision. I'm visions and visions and visions. Okay. How about uh, how about in a, in a group setting? Okay. Re it happens in Revelation, but how about in a group setting? Guess how about Acts two? I mean, it's like the Holy Spirit comes upon people and they see something something that looks like tongues of fire on their heads. That doesn't say gold dust. And I'm not saying it's gold. I'm just saying there's, there's something where people's eyes are open and they see a supernatural presence, a supernatural Holy Spirit in some form. Was it, were there actually fires on their head? I don't think so because their hair didn't get burned. I'm, I'm just saying. 
I mean, I think they're seeing something outside of the natural realm that we live in. They're seeing in the supernatural. Same thing, you guys remember in, in 2 Kings 6 where Elisha is kicking back and his, his servant Gehazi he's all worked up because, or, uh, his servant anyway, I can't remember the guy's name. He's all worked up because they're, the, the city is surrounded by armies. And Elisha prays and says, Lord, would you just open his eyes? And he sees something that is in the spiritual realm. Okay? Guys, so I'm saying there, there, is a, there are times where the people of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, are able to glimpse into the spiritual realm. I, I don't think we should mock that. Okay. So her question was, well, is it real? Is this, is this real? Is, if, if it's real, how are we going to know? So here, I want to give you guys some verses, okay? And I think it's worth writing this stuff down. If verses that help us to know when we hear about this kind of thing, whether this is something that we should say, this is good, or that's not, that's not right. Okay, and this is how we know. So 1 John 4, 1, right? Yeah, you can write this down, or you can look in your Bibles. 1 John 4, 1, dear friends, the Apostle John writes, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. And you're like, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. Because many false prophets have gone out of the world, and there's lots of bad teaching out there. There's lots of strange stuff out there. There's lots of stuff that is not of God that people claim is of God. So how do we know? Well, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God, verse 2 says. 1 John 4, 2. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Okay, so every, in every situation where there's stuff happening, Spiritual stuff happening. The question is, does this point toward Jesus being the Son of God or, or turn people away from the truth that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you guys hear what I'm saying? So if it turns Jesus away from the Son of God, it is not the Spirit of Christ. It is the Spirit of the Antichrist, which you guys have heard has come into the world. Okay, so the question is, in, in these situations, anytime that there's supernatural stuff happening, the question is, do these people Acknowledge, first thing is, do these people acknowledge that Jesus is God? It's Jesus, that Jesus has come in the physical flesh and as a person, okay? There's one verse. Now, another verse that I think you guys are hopeless in making these, these judgment calls is 1 Thessalonians 5.19. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Now, why is, that, why, is, why is Paul writing that to the church in Thessalonica? Because if you haven't noticed, so many times when somebody is on fire because of the Holy Spirit touching their life, other people are going, that's faking. You're faking it. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's not real. It didn't happen to me, so how could it happen to them? <laughs> do not put out the Spirit's fire. And verse 20, do not treat prophecies with contempt. Don't pre- treat prophecies with contempt. Somebody, somebody is speaking from with Holy Spirit power and in from the Holy Spirit. Don't treat it with contempt. Now you need to be really careful and say, okay. I mean, I've had you know people come in my office and say, we're getting married. God told me she's the one I'm marrying. I'm like, okay, if God told you it's going to happen, so why worry about it? I just want you to know. I just want you to know, because you don't let anybody else fall in love with her. Okay. Like, okay, if God said it, I'm not worried about it. Okay. But really, in my heart, I'm thinking, okay. I mean, when people have told me things, 
Like the Lord says, the Lord says this, Steve, you're going to, well, I won't tell you all the things that people said to me. I'm thinking, okay, if that's from the Lord, it's a good thing. Whether it sounds good or bad. Okay. Verse 21, test everything. Test everything, people, but do not. You know, either we fall from one, one of these two sides. Either we don't test everything, we just believe everything. We're all, it's called gullible. Or we test everything to the point where we don't believe anything. And we mock all the people who are really experiencing Holy Spirit power. So there's a balance here. Okay. Another verse that I want to ask you guys to write down is Romans 14.4. If this will help you, who are you to judge someone else's servant? I mean, if God's doing something over there at the BSM, and you think that that's not, then you're like, oh, well, I don't know about that. It's not your job to judge. Who, gave, who made you the judge? Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master, he stands or falls, and he will stand. For, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Do you guys hear what it's saying? It's like, okay, it's not your job to find out if that church in California is right on or not. That's not your problem. Now, is it somebody's problem? Yeah. I mean, we're brothers and sisters. But when, when, people, when people come right into my office and say, he's in there preaching his bad doctrine again, I'm thinking, okay, do you want me to be the doctrine police here? Here, here this is the, the Holy Spirit is so powerful, and I trust him so much that I don't feel like I need to check with every small group about their bad doctrine. We got, I know we got... I know I've, we've got people who lean in small groups here who, who teach stuff that I won't teach. I'm not panicking over that. I'm not panicking over it, guys, because I trust the Holy Spirit work in your lives to be able to lead you into all truth. And I know for a fact that I don't got all my theology right, and I sure didn't have it right 30 years ago when I started teaching the Bible. And the Lord has been so gracious to me and I'm so thankful that I didn't have a theology police beat me over the head every time I made a mistake the Holy Spirit is teaching you guys and he is fully able to correct where there's theological things happening now do I have no responsibility with I got responsibility I'm teaching you guys that's why we're doing this at the merge that's why I'm teaching you that's why we've that's why I meet with the small group leaders every Thursday night because I want them to teach them right theology. But I'm not going to panic every time that I hear that somebody said something that wasn't along the lines of what I teach. Okay? I'm not a theology police. God is doing something miraculous among his people. But every time that we see God doing miraculous things among one group of people, there's other people who seem to criticize that. Do you guys remember even... even the disciples come to Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, we saw a guy casting out demons in your name, but we told him not to do it because he's not one of us. Remember? And Jesus is like, if he's not against us, he's for us. Right? Don't let him, let him be. Don't worry about it, guys. He, that, those people who have been casting out demons in Jesus' name, they hadn't, been, they hadn't graduated yet from Jesus' school. How could they have the audacity to do that? Jesus was okay with it. Jesus okay. His message was being preached. So I'm hesitant to make a judgment call when somebody's asking about gold dust. I'm thinking, if it's of the Lord, 
I trust the Lord. If it's not of the Lord, I trust the Lord. But my attitude is, God, if there's something like that to be seen that reflects your glory, I want it too. And I hope that there's nobody in this room who doesn't have that attitude. Who's like, I don't care what if it's from the Lord or not. I don't want what the Lord has. And the truth is, guys, that the Lord is doing stuff differently in all of our lives. And the way that he reveals himself to Aaron is not going to be the same that he reveals himself to Noe. I mean, that's the beauty of this thing. We've got unity within all this diversity. It's wonderful. Okay, so the next question she asked me is, she said, can I go to California to this church to check it out? I was like, sure, go. Go ahead and go. But here's the important question. I said, what's your motivation? Why do you want to do this? What, what is your motivation? And the reason I'm asking her why she wants to do it is because it's possible to have selfish motivation in seeking out supernatural experiences because it makes me feel good. Or because if I can just get that gifting, it makes me look good to other people. Rather than being motivated truly by love for Jesus and love for his people. So, what's the motivation? The reason why, I think, is more important than the reason what. Or the, the question why is more important than the question what. What is it that she wants to do? I mean, let, her, let her go. Okay? Here's the, here's the, along these lines, what is God's purpose in doing this? If God's, if God's doing this kind of thing, if God's doing healings or miracles or he's pouring his Holy Spirit over you, why is he doing it? Why does God give you his Holy Spirit? Think about it. What scripture tells you exactly why he gives you the Holy Spirit? 1 Corinthians 12, 7. The spirit, the manifestation, the showing of the spirit, though, the working of the spirit in your lives is given to you for what? So, say it again. I didn't hear it. The profit of all. That's right. For the, com for the profit of all or for the common good. Um, the reason that God, God gives his spirit is for the common good. It's, he, it wasn't just so you'd f you feel good. It wasn't just so that you could look good. It is for the good of the community. That's why God does it. And here's what I want you guys to think about in regards to this, is that the, the anointing, the Holy Spirit coming upon you in power is what we call anointing, right? Is that right? Okay, anointing. The anointing is given to you for ministry, okay? Anointing should equal ministry. If anointing is less than ministry, in other words, you're doing this much ministry and you've got this much anointing, you know what that's going to equal? It's going to equal burnout. You are going to be burned out. And there's so many workers out there, church workers, who are burned out because there's so much work in ministry. And if they're not being filled up by the anointing of God, they can't do it. But what if ministry, or let's, let's do it this way. What if anointing is greater than ministry? What is this? This equals, I think this equals self-centeredness. Self and here's the deal. I mean, for the person that's like, I want the gold dust in my life. I want the pouring of the Holy Spirit. I want all this stuff. But I'm not using it for the common good. You're just using it because you wanted a Holy Spirit drug. 
You just want to feel good or look good. And God has told us that the reason that he gives us all this, Holy Spirit, power, is for the common good. It's for the good of other people. It's so that, it's so that you can do the ministry that he's called you to do. You can't do it without him. You can't do, uh, you can't expect to have anointing if you're not pouring out in ministry, okay? Okay. Let me tell you about my experience. I was at that church. I just happened to be in that city. So I'm thinking, there's been so much raving about this church. Let's go. So me and Ruth go, and I'm, I'm excited. I, this is, guys, I think the right attitude is to, is to walk in any situation like that saying, I want you, Lord. I want, if there's gold dust, give me gold dust. If there's Holy Spirit anointing, if there's, if there's gifting, if there's healing, I want it all. But what I want more than all that is I want you. What I want is you. My, my real purpose in going there is, Lord, I am coming here not to experience some supernatural trick. I'm here just to know you more. And I, I think, think about what girls, when you've had guys chasing you who don't really care about your mind. They just like your body. How does that make you feel? You guys know what I'm talking about. Some of you girls are, are, are scared to nod, but you guys know what, you girls know what I'm talking about. You, you're like, I want a guy who wants all of me, not just my body, right? Guys, we don't want just some experience from God. We want him. And when we seek him, we get all kinds of spiritual gifting. Remember, you guys remember when Jesus spoke to the Pharisees? The Pharisees come to Jesus and are like, hey, give us, a, give us a sign. You guys remember this? It's like, show us a sign. I mean, he's just done a, he been, how many signs has he done? Right? You guys remember, right? Jesus is like, what is the deal with this adulterous generation? I'm not giving them any sign except for the sign, really the sign of him coming to life again. And then it says, and he left them. He walks away. He's like, they're not looking for me. They just want an experience to make them feel good and to make them interested in what's in supernatural stuff. You guys understand? Okay, let me ask, answer this other question that she asked. She asked me, why can't we have that here? How would you answer? Huh? She's like, I mean, what she was saying, she's saying, if they're getting that kind of momentum in that church there, can't we have the same kind of Holy Spirit power right here? And the answer is, sure, sure. Okay, so here's what I want you guys to do, just as we're wrapping up. How do we get that? Just think about the things that we've been talking about over the past several weeks. We've been going through the first chapters of the book of Acts. What are the things that... What, how do we get, if there is Holy Spirit, if there's gold dust, I'm not, I mean, whatever there is, whatever there is, how do we get the, everything? I want it all. I mean, you guys have been to those meetings where they, they, they got, if this guy can pray for me, I'm going to be touched by the Holy Spirit. Guys, I've been to those meetings. I'm like, I want it, but I'm not going to pretend anything. Yeah. I'm not going to pretend that I had some experience that I didn't have. So I'm like, just, I'll take it. I'll take, and I'm seeking you. I'm seeking you. I'm not seeking just that experience. I'm seeking you. So, guys, I think that's what our attitude should be. But if we, if we want more Holy Spirit power at UTA and at the Cornerstone than what we're seeing right now, how, what, what do we do? Surrender. Total surrender. It's like anything you want goes. Lord, you're the boss, not me. So surrender. What else? 
prayer. And we talked a bunch of prayer. Ask for it. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everybody who seeks, finds. Everybody who knocks, the door is open. Then Jesus says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, is going to give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, is going to give him a snake? He says, so then if you who are evil give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? What He says, you ask. You ask. You ask. Okay, anything else that we can do? Uh-huh. Purity, purity. I mean, we talked last week about posers, right? It's like, no more posing. No more pretending to be something that you're not. Just every day coming to the Lord authentically and saying, Lord, I am dirty without you, but you wash me clean. That's purity. Okay, what else? Ministry. Exactly. Ministry. I mean, anointing. God, I'm going to step out and do ministry and expect that your anointing is going to follow. As opposed to, I'm going to sit here and wait till you anoint me, and when I finally think I'm ready, then I'm going to go out and do ministry. Guys, the Lord always gives you enough to do what he's called you to do. I mean, this is what Sudanchu and Logan, they're about to go to India, right? Where's Sudanchu and Logan? Okay, right here. There's Logan, where does Sudanchu go? Okay. Do you guys have enough money to go? No, they don't. They don't have enough money to go. Do you have enough anointing in your life now to last you for everything you're doing in India? No way. No way. You need more tomorrow and the next day and the next day. My point is, they're going, they're like, do we got enough? Nope, we don't got enough. But we're going, and we're going to take, God's going to give us everything we need. So, yeah. So, we do ministry. You want the anointing of God? Start doing ministry. Stop waiting for God to anoint you to do ministry. Now, I'm not saying don't, don't do ministry without the anointing. I'm just saying that ex- you expect that he's going to anoint you. Okay. I mean, let me also say this. Expectation. Here's the deal. The reason that church in California has so much momentum going is because every Sunday, there are people who show up there. I think they probably got 500 visitors every Sunday who show up there from all over the country expecting that God's going to do something. Right. Now, when I went to that church, I, I was excited. I go in there, the worship team was pretty good. But it wasn't a whole lot better than what, what, what we're doing at Grace on Sunday. And then the pastor gets out to preach, and I'm excited. I'm like, okay, here we go. And he gets out, and... I was, what impressed me so much about that church was how unimpressive it was. I'm serious, because I, sh- uh, uh, I expected something glamorous. He walks out and he said, hi. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's good to see you. It's been a good week. God's done some things in my life. He's teaching me. I was on a trip. It was good. I'm thinking, this is it? <laughs> this is what people are, I mean, people are you, have to, you have to wait in line to get in the door. I'm thinking, what, where's, what's going on here? Here's what it is. The, what's happening in that church, everything that's authentic that's happening in that church is happening because of a seeking of the Lord. People show up there going, I don't care what that pastor's talking about. I'm here to meet the Lord. And the people who show up and think, who are just looking for an experience, probably are going away empty-handed. If they're seeking Jesus, 
they get him and more. So guys, this, this, is, this is why we, we changed things up tonight, is I just thought, let's seek him. Let's not just seek a certain gift or a certain experience. Let's seek him. And as we seek him, we get anything that he wants to give us. Because we're humble and our hearts are open, okay? So let's just, we got a couple songs. We're going to worship and then we're going to pray a little bit more. And we're going to, Matt's going to take the microphone. And we're going to wrap up some things here, right? <laughs>